Hi, and welcome to Zed Games. Recorded live at 4ZZZ Studios in Brisbane and broadcast nationally over the community radio network, Zed Games brings you the latest gaming news, reviews, and interviews from across Australia and around the world. Coming at you live from 4ZZZ Studios here in Brisbane. You might be listening to us on, 10, on 102.1 FM or on Zed Digital here in Brisbane, or on the community radio network around the country. This is Zed Games, the best gaming show on the planet, provided you can hear us. My name's Jack. Everything's fine. We, I experienced some technical goofs in the studio, but like, what's what's heckin' new? I'm in the studio with Adrian. Hello. Hello. What what technical goofs? No, uh, n- never heard of those. It's not real. Don't worry about it. Ray is also here. Yo, yo. Hello. And uh, a new one. Hello, Millie. Hi. How are you going? I'm going great, thank you. This is my first time on radio, and I'm pretty excited. <laughs> Welcome. Hi. Just like you're looking around while the technical goofs are happening, you're like, mmm. Yeah, I was slightly terrified, you know, just in case all of our panic screaming was on air at that current point. Usually oh, no, 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 we no. have the show together. No, no, no. Like, everything can break, but no one will hear our panic screaming. That's all good. Oh, okay. That, that, that makes me feel much safer. Like, not. Safer or, like, worse? Doesn't <laughs> matter. Works, Although we did furiously dab to oh, the yeah. supersonic racing song. Yeah, we really so. did. Jesus. There's one thing you didn't it, it need to know. Great, yeah. That's a highlight of my year, to be honest. Dabbing <laughs> um, on the haters. You know, uh, savage for life. All haters and racers. Hashtag Jake Paul. Supersonic racers. Relevant. Jesus. Uh, so we've got an entire show coming up where we basically just talk about packs, but not entirely. Millie, you've been playing Shadow of the Tomb Raider. I have. You played the re- the reboot Tomb Raider in 13. Yes. And you played a little bit of Rise of the Tomb Raider? I played all of Rise of the Tomb Raider. Thank you very much. Oh, I only started it. Oop. Yeah, I know you did. Sorry. Yeah, It's fine. It's fine. All you needed was to start the game and just know how trash Jonah is. Jonah Good. as a character can, like, leave. What about Lara, though? <laughs> Lara. Oh, we'll get to that. We'll get to that's, Lara. That's coming up a little bit later. We'll, Trust me, we'll, we'll get talk to a Lara. lot about Lara and. We will Jack. get to Lara. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll stay on Lara for, Lara for as long we're gonna stay on Lara as we're allowed all to. Day. Yes. My just, God. Just, my God, those arms. <laughs> Thank you, Square Enix. <laughs> Look forward to that one. Um, but first, Adrian, we went to PAX. We did. It was. Of an entire event. I, this is the first year in a little bit that I was really excited about it because I wasn't exhausted, but this is the first PAX you've been to as media. Absolutely, and it was a wholesome, bloody good time. I'm a little bit exhausted, I've got some con flu, and my voice has dropped like half an octave, but it's all good. Everyone loves a bit of con flu. <laughs> it doesn't stop. No, it never stops. <laughs> it comes back every year when you're like, I'm better than this, and you're like, no, <gasps> I'm not. But hey, you know what? I managed to actually come back from the show with some goods for the listeners. Hey. I actually have a little bit of a piece for you all to listen to what it's like to go to PAX Ooh. and get a bit of a feel Ooh. for the show. Bit of sizzle there. Adrian here, and I'm at PAX Australia 2018. PAX stands for Penny Arcade Expo, and it's a worldwide gaming convention that sprung forth from the popular Penny Arcade webcomics. This year, PAX is featuring EB Expo. The two gargantuan exhibitions were placed at the end of the year and were the biggest gaming conventions in Australia up until this year when they joined forces, making PAX the biggest gaming festival in Australia. I've also had a chance to speak to some showgoers about what PAX means to them. The Indie Showcase has blown my mind this year. The quality of games that are even in this space, are can't, I can't believe they're actually indie. Incredible titles that have blown my mind. The hilarious Lethal Lawns. It's like a, a lawn mowing game where it's competitive against your, your friends on like co-op. So you're fighting other lawnmowers? Yes, it's exciting. It goes slower on the grass, but then as soon as you mow it, it gets faster and you have like risk of death. 
and it's like uh, The Last Man Standing is the winner. And also Neko Barista. It's an incredible uh, Japanese manga like narrative game where someone can see you as a, like if you're a ghost and kill you with uh, their coffee. I mean that's me every morning with coffee. It's a beautiful graphic novel which is like a, a dialogue game kind of like uh, Ace Attorney how it's very like dialogue heavy and it's a beautiful story and you just have to check it out for yourself. What is it that you love about PAX? I honestly, I've got to say the people here are so friendly and welcoming. It doesn't, even if you've met them for the first time, everyone's got time for you to have a chat about whatever you feel like. Everyone's here because they love games. This is my third PAX, so I came first in 2016. Um, honestly, the atmosphere and everything that there is here is what keeps bringing me back. Like, I've got a lot of friends that I see once a year. We come to PAX, we hang out. But yeah, obviously the indie stuff is a big draw for me because we don't have that at other conventions. PAX seems to still have a lot of excitement amongst crowds as it's not just vendors like a lot of the big pop culture expos are. There are a lot of games people can play. Whether you like uh, video games, board games, card games, miniature games, means there's, I think there's a lot more to do outside of like panels and spending money. There's a bit of everything for everyone. So if you like tabletop, there's tabletop. If you like video games, there's video games. If you like Battle Royales, this is the perfect convention. If you want to dance like Fortnite, there's a stage for that. Is Epic Games actually giving away prizes for people who do the Fortnite floss? I believe there's little foam pickaxe or the, the harvesting tool. If you do the floss dance successfully, you will be great. What is it about conventions like PAX or like, you know, EB Expo in the past that that you enjoy the most? Um, just the lengths that um, game companies are willing to go to promote their games and yeah, interact with the community. Like, some of the booths here look amazing. Like, we're looking at the Hitman 2 booth right now, and if you shave your head, you get to cut the line. Uh, so, I thought that was really cool, but I mean, I'm not gonna do that. But, I mean, if I wanted to go bald one day, I could totally do that. And they're also giving people, like, the Hitman barcode as well on the back of the head, right? Yeah, I wonder if, like, you scan that at the cell server calls it works. I mean, I don't know. That's what I was thinking. Like, you just, like, headbang the scanner, and it's like, boop, you're, you are a Hitman. Yeah, and then I'd be like, please wait, assistance required. No assassins allowed through the checkout, please. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, seeing all the new games that are coming out this year, Kingdom Hearts is uh, a particular favourite. Um, just checked out the Bethesda panel as well, and that was a real good time. So it was Pete Hines, um, Mr. Zenimax, the guy whoever's in charge of that, I don't remember his name, and then uh, uh, Tim from ID Software. Shout out to Mr. Zenimax, the, the best unsung hero. That's his name, Mr. Zenimax now, that's it. <laughs> what was your favourite thing about Kingdom Hearts 3? Uh, summoning the dope train that just launches um, fireworks around and just causes massive explosions. That was, was spectacular and I loved it. Can you paint the scene? Why is there a dope train in Kingdom Hearts 3 and why is it shooting fireworks? I was trying to tackle a rock titan. I don't know, but I needed a train. <laughs> and that train was there for you? It was. It was there for me in my time of need. Choo choo. Awesome. I'm just really keen to see all the new games coming out. Smash Brothers, Spyro. I went down and saw Kingdom Hearts. It's amazing. Fighting the Rock Golem was just fantastic. Uh, there's this Toy Story bit as well, and you can actually get into a mechanical suit and drive around and shoot things, which is so fun. From PAX Australia 2018, you're listening to Zed Games. Sick one. Hey, thanks a lot. That was a good fun, fun wrap-up of PAX, because I feel like it's difficult to kind of convey the energy of going. But there is so much energy. And I mean, you know, Friday was relatively quiet by PAX standards, but even then it was busy. Saturday, though, you couldn't walk through without shoulder barging people. Yeah. And that energy is electrifying. Yes. But also Worst. not quite as overwhelming as Tokyo Game Show Public Days. Oh, don't even talk to me about the three halls of craziness this that was Tokyo Game been, Show. Yeah, it's literally three times PAX. But no, PAX is just full of so much passion and so much community. Like, we were both talking about how 
the day after, we just had this wholesome hangover where it was like, my God, that was such a good time. So many nice people. So many people who were just willing to talk to you. And, you know, in that feature, you heard mostly showgoers who were there at the event. And that's part one of our PAX coverage. We'll have some more features with uh, developers and um, also... Um, developers, co- developers, <laughs> yes, developers, developers, developers. Bring it de- back, bring it back. <laughs> and also a cosplayer um, from the event. And, you know, PAX, it's the best thing about PAX, as far as I'm concerned. It just sort of caters to so many different people um, across... You know the the passion the passions that are gaming, um, whether it be you know video games or tabletop and pop culture. Because there's obviously a massive space for that there as well. Heaps of space. Yeah. Uh, what was your favorite thing you saw at PAX though, Jack? PAX Rising is always phenomenal. Uh, it was nice to see the next exhibit, which was a diversity focused um, kind of setup of a few indie games from across the world. That was very cool as well. And um, diversity lounge is a uh, diversity yeah diversity lounge mm. is always like a very very chill space that i loved as well awesome um but yeah like adrian said we're gonna have more and more and more and more it doesn't stop pax no content stops. coming up over the next few weeks you're hanging out with us on zed games welcome back sorry sorry it, it is still zed games if you forgot <laughs> it doesn't stop sorry for coming back I'm Jack. I'm in the studio with Adrian, Millie, and Ray. Millie's a newcomer. Welcome, Millie. I am. So, I'm so new. As the newcomer. Yeah. As the fresh-faced one with the sparkle in the eye because we're all jaded and dead inside. Oh, I mean. Uh, <laughs> Speak yes. for yourself. Sorry, never mind. <laughs> I mean, I, mean, I Just am. Just throwing Jack under the bus. Inside, so. You did graduate with a games degree, so. Oh, boy. Let's not go there. Sorry to throw you under the bus. <laughs> Shadow <laughs> of the Tomb Raider. Yeah. So, the original Tomb Raider reboot yeah. in 2012 or 13 um yeah. was gorgeous oh, mcloved it Mick so good it. the story was well paced the characters yeah. were for the most part kind of okay the supporting cast was crap yes lara was useless. phenomenal they didn't really need to be there honestly but um, like lara mint so good mint condition rise, mint condition, rise of the tomb raider came out first on xbox and had that weird limited exclusivity so i feel like a lot of people yeah. kind of missed the boat because of that because it had like a two phase three-phase release because it was like Xbox One Steam and then PS4 and I'm like uh why though (laughs) yeah it was really really dumb honestly I don't know why they did that to be fair but like uh because Xbox likes money Xbox but um I kind of enjoyed that one I say it's I'd say it's um pretty forgettable though because it's all just sort of snow there was a bit of snow, but there was also, like, the main town was definitely not snow at all. No, but, like, it, I found, there's, there's I found that game snow. quite forgettable. Yeah. Mainly because Jonah's in it. Oh, snow way. Again. Continuing in Avery the line leave. of <laughs> Tomb Raider. <laughs> Goodbye. Yeah. Is Shadow of the Tomb Raider. <laughs> if you're not in the snow and you're not in some heckin' island, where are you this time? You're in the jungle. You're in Peru. Welcome to the jungle. Welcome, Welcome to, to the jungle. jungle. We, we got, got fun and games. games. I hate myself. I just had a stroke. <laughs> what on earth? We're gonna raid some tombs tonight. Adrian Lee. <laughs> <laughs> Disgusting. Disgusting. Le good. Le good. Anyway, how does it does it change the gameplay much at all? Is the gameplay still fairly similar to the last two? Well, it's. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say it's pretty similar, honestly, because like all the original Tomb Raiders, like old back in triangle boobs days. Yep. Um, they were all pretty similar, copy-paste, sort of same mechanics and everything. But they've added a couple more tools and the like. And uh, I feel that tombs have suddenly become much more important in this game. Because they weren't really. That was a, a big really critique weren't. of the originals. It was a huge critique because it was called Tomb Raider. Instead, it's just like softcore Lara getting hurt. Which, you know, that, that's, that's got its place, but... 
Internet time is your time, not in Tomb Raider. Yeah, we demand tombs. We demand tombs. Yes, we demand tombs. And now there's a radio, really. And now there are tombs. Yeah, there's tombs. It's great. I love it because also it's all about Aztec, Inca, and this new type of tribe called. You seem uncertain. Well, I think they've just sort of based it off like. Mayan, Inca, Aztec tribe sort of thing. They're like the Patiti. Patiti is the name of the place you go. It's great. <laughs> okay. Patiti. Um, and also uh, Trinity's back because of course they are. They don't stop. Because they don't stop. So this was the main antagonist group that was introduced in Rise of the Tomb Raider. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're back. Um, and instead, like, they've taken a... Adrian, stop stroking my microphone. <laughs> Ignore me. <laughs> anyway, so they've sort of taken over this, like, um, hidden place mm. called Petiti. And it's Lara's job to sort of fight it back. And Jonah's there for some reason. We don't know why Jonah's there. So he was... A, he was From the little bit I played of Rise of the Tomb Raider, he seemed like a pretty interesting character from the start. Is he still a pretty interesting character, and why is it a bad thing? No. <laughs> Jonah is... Oh, sorry, not interesting, important. He was an important character to the story, but not interesting, was oh, what I was trying to say there. barely important. I think the only reason he's there is so Lara can rescue someone. That so, is it. I only played the first game in the reboot. Who... who what, what? Jonah is that big dude in the red singlet in the first game. Oh, I don't That goes to show how much he was I remember. Mo- yeah. He was mostly swept under the rug, I feel like, in the first one, but then oh, yeah. in the second one, it was like, hey, yeah, it's he, Jonah! Yeah, it's he's food. Jonah. Because, like, in the first game, you were saving Sam... But then, like, they decided to brush her aside because all of a sudden she's got PTSD. Which, you know, I understand that, but Lara could have, like, helped her through it, shown her that the world isn't so bad, and then, like, adventure happens. Oh, that would have been so But hard. instead, here's Jonah, back again with a new haircut, and that's it. <laughs> Character development. Woo! <laughs> and I think they were trying to, like, make, jo- <laughs> make Jonah, like, a love interest, but... Ultimately, Lara's like a lone wolf. So in this game, like they mentioned, Jonah has a girlfriend. Like right at the end, to be like solidify the fact that Lara's like I'm still single, ladies, <laughs> which Fair. is great for me. But like I don't really understand why they had to add that in. I don't know why they added Jonah in in the first place. Because in this game, the whole time, all you do is rescue Jonah from like jaguars, then tribes, then more tribes, then Trinity. Look, let me ask this though, because one mm. of my grievances with the the first game, ser- I can't even speak, the first game <laughs> in the fine. rebooted series yeah. was that, you know, obviously there wasn't much tomb raiding. No. And as a result of that, there was a lot of murdering. Lara was yeah. just killing people left, Ludo right, and center. narrative dissonance. Don't yeah. get me started on that, Jack. <laughs> now, let me ask. Yes. Does this game, you said it involves some rescuing of Jonah. Oh, boy. Is there less killing of just indiscriminate murdering? You know, is, is actually, there more yes. adventuring and raiding? Yes, there's heaps of adventuring, actually. It's what I really enjoy is that you're sort of set in the jungle, so it's up to you to sort of, like, survive. But then, like, there's tombs and you can raid them. But then, like... It's just up to you which path you take. So is it more survival exploration than sort of just action third-person shooter? Yeah, it's really good. Excellent. And half the time it's like based... Uh, there's murder. There's always murder. Yeah. Murder's Such great. That's so grim. But... Such is life. <laughs> but it's sort of more based around having to avoid that murder. That's that's great to hear because one of my issues it's with the, really the first one was how it felt like you had to be attracted to the murder. You oh, had yeah. to go and seek it out. Yeah, but that's the thing. That, like they In the first game, they focused on Lara's first kill and she's crying and everything like that. Mm. But then like five seconds later, she's like, well, here's a machine gun. Yeah, right? <laughs> she's just, she becomes Rambo in like five minutes. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, right, sure, let's like, do this. She's disembodying people yeah, with, a, with like, an axe. Yeah, and it's just like, axe. whoa, slow yeah, down. That, but, that like, pickaxe, but like also, <clears throat> how hot are you for it? I mean... <laughs> Wait, I mean. L- let's clarify here, Jack. Hot for the, the the indiscriminate murder or Lara herself? Hot Both. for Lara doing indiscriminate murder. Wow. 
Wow. I mean, like, in this game, you get to give Laura different outfits, and they're all based around, like, feathers and Inca shit. I love that so much. That's, I know. That's hard. So, like, God. she's just covered in feathers constantly. I'm like, I love this. And also, one of the main gameplay mechanics is covering Laura in mud. I mean, you got to blend in. Yeah, you got to blend in. That's, that's, her, some, that's some fanfic crap right that's there, That's her mate. stealth move is to put mud all over herself and the animation I don't think so <laughs> just feeling herself just, up just with like, mud yeah just mud and it's great because it's great then you get skin. to murder some people covered That's, in mud mud's a great exfoliant. and now blood <laughs> the blood of your enemies as you look me dead in the eyes like, and now blood yeah you're and welcome. I'm like oh my god <laughs> also I'd say the game has really good replay value because you play the ending I'd say the ending was a little bit of a letdown but you know when is it a ending in a game it it really good yeah. yeah anyway but you get to replay the game because like it if you talk to people in the villages they point out like hidden things you can just go find things constantly like dig up gold dig up gold under the water you can swim in this it's great Perfect. you could <laughs> oh you could swim in theory in the first there's one there's so many photos i've taken underwater it's great sounds like it's really got more of a focus on adventuring and finding oh, God, things and that's yeah. awesome to hear it's amazing like, just the whole adventure scape of it is so good. And so many, like, butthurt people are like, it doesn't have enough killing. I'm like, yeah, but, like, you'd be unhappy if there was more killing. Well, I mean, for what it's <laughs> so worth, I feel like the first Tomb Raider reboot had at least solid variety in how you could kill. Mm. Just across the four weapons, it was bow, pistol, machine gun, shotgun. Yeah. You get you pick two out of four of those, and you just kind of pick up little bits and pieces. You end up upgrading from there. Yeah. And it's like, you can replay through the game. If I I ran through first time with bow and shotgun, yeah. completely different with pistol and machine different. gun. I feel like, do you still have that kind of freedom to go back through and play it a little bit differently? Oh, yeah. Big time. Yeah. Because once you finish the game, you get New Game, new game Plus, and you've got everything back with you. So all those upgraded weapons, you can just play through it again. Right, of course. But, like, obviously, bow, machine gun, shotgun, all that stuff is back. But this time, you've got a knife. Oh, that's hard. That's not a knife. Yeah. <laughs> that's a knife. Exactly. Except, you know, it's in a British accent, which I can't do. That's not a knife. That's, that's not a knife. knife. There you go. God, oh. I love, you're welcome. God, I love, I'm a man of many different <laughs> That's accents. not a British accent. <laughs> wow. I, I love British accents so Good much. Like, sure, she has a variety of weapons, though, but does she have a variety of way of finding things? Does she get, like, a metal detector at some point? Like, she's Lara Croft. She what is uncovers that? treasures yeah, in Yeah, she's tombs. got that strapped to her back all the time. <laughs> Come on. Metal, metal detector just like... <laughs> where's the compass? Where's the metal detector? <laughs> I, I think it's just... Oh, she's got that little speaker box thing again, which is great. Oh, boom box. No, I wish. Listen to some beats in the tomb. That'll <laughs> raise the dead. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> This is Thriller. Jesus. It is Halloween. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. Just imagine Lara Croft dressed as Michael Jackson. Oh, no. Yes. Anyway. What so, about Michael Jackson? <laughs> Dra- Dra- Ma- Michael Jackson as Lara Croft. As Lara Croft. That There's an image for you. Is equally terrifying. I don't like this. I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it when, when you, you mess my voice up. It's not good, is what it's we're saying. It's not good. No, but... Listen, listen, listen. If you just want a good little romp of an adventure game by looking at an attractive woman's bottom the whole time, buy the game. And I feel like you definitely had a lot of fun. Oh, I did. Believe me, I did. <laughs> I had a great time. Excellent. She's beautiful. She definitely was in like, the first two, and I feel like... Way too much effort into her model this time. Like, there's like this beautiful butt. Like, it's just there. They like, know what the people came for. It's, 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 it's a good cuppable bottom, I'd say that. Good cuppable. Yeah. Tomb oh, Raider cuppable edition. Put that on the box. <laughs> Yeah, why not? Good cuppable bottom, <laughs> four stars, yeah. Z game. Also, Adventurescape was the other sort of bazinga word that you said there, which I'm a big fan <laughs> Adventure of. Adventurescape. Advent- Adventurescape cuppable edition. So I feel like the story... Oh, God, I hate you so much. <laughs> 
You're welcome. The story doesn't seem like the big focus. It's still very oh, much like a, a gameplay first kind of thing. Tomb, like puzzle solving in the tombs is a bit more of a focus and the Hugely. combat is still good. Hugely. I feel like this is probably going to be a playthrough once and then playthrough again with the new game plus to get all the little bits and pieces. Yeah, definitely. And it is good. It's just good. It's not revolutionary? No, it's definitely not revolutionary. You don't come for the story. It's just like, bad dude takes over, lonely tribe, gotta go save them, do thing. You come to raid the Bang, 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 you're Laura Croft. Awesome, good time had. (laughs) Like, you know, the story isn't great, but like, the game's beautiful. And it's like, it's just worth it for a good little romp. What adventure. Beautiful. I feel check it out. I saw it today in the shops and I was like, maybe we should pick it up. Shadow of the Tomb Raider is available now on PS4, Xbox One, and PC. It's pretty fun. It's cuppable. It's cuppable. That bottom's cuppable. That bottom is cuppable. Also that hair though. We've bottomed <sighs> up. Oh, that hair has been hot since um like the first one. Press FX. And her biceps. Like, let me tell you something. Thank you, Square Enix. <laughs> Does she live? So much. Oh, she lifts. She lifts herself. Oh yeah. And oh, you wish she lifted you. She could just lift me over the horizon. <laughs> We're gonna think about that for a little bit Dunk longer. Dunk me in the river. You're hanging out with us on Z Games, whether you like it or not. But I mean, you probably do. Everyone loves. Gonna be honest, you're having a, a heckin' good time with us. My name is Jackman Studio with Adrian. Please Millie, like us and Ray. Okay. Please like us. Please like me. Please. Please. Like please. Me. It's fine. TM. Um, like we were saying earlier in the show, we were at PAX this past weekend. I wasn't. Um, well, yeah, you weren't. Whatever. You missed out. Come next you. year. I will. I'm happy to. It'll happy be good. To. Wow. It's only a year away. You'll be happy to. I'll be happy to. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Um, before you let Millie say too much more on this show. Please don't. I uh, had an opportunity to sit down with uh, ID at Xbox Boy, Chris Charlo. This is the one behind uh, the program that lets indie self-publish on Xbox. Previously, they didn't really have that option outside of uh, Xbox Live Arcade, which had a bunch of other things that kind of weren't super easy for developers to get on board with. But now, ID at Xbox is here, and it's real. And I spoke with him at PAX. And now you can listen to it. Chris Charlotte, thank you so much um, for your time out of the uh, busy schedule, I imagine, at PAX Australia. Um, I guess let's start at the beginning of ID at Xbox. Um, this was a program that was developed, I think, alongside, or, or a lot of people were kind of made aware of it around the launch of it, or in the lead up to Xbox One launch. Yeah, exactly. Um, but obviously that came off the back of Xbox Live Arcade. Um, what were some of the things that kind of led from Xbox Live Arcade to ID at Xbox? Yeah, so Microsoft really pioneered um, independent development on, on console with Xbox Live Arcade, which was originally started, honestly, to help people ship little arcade games. And I was a developer at the time, didn't work for Microsoft, and that's exactly what we shipped, like Joust, Robotron, Defender, like these cool arcade emulations. But the second... Um, Developers had access to this way to ship games that you know didn't require discs, didn't require a sixty dollars price point or a high price point. They just took advantage of it, and all of a sudden there were all these really cool games. And then I, that kind of like really burst into the forefront. I, I would say in two thousand eight was the, that first summer of arcade where Braid and Castle Crasher shipped, and all of a sudden mainstream audiences knew about indie games and the indie scene blew up and it hasn't stopped uh, growing since and as we were kind of getting towards the launch of xbox one or before the launch of xbox one we knew um that the indie scene was outpacing what we were able to do for them on 360 on xbox 360 every game needed a publisher it was kind of like a you know it was a system that had been designed in the early 2000s and it was just not like um 
you know, current with what developers wanted. So we went out and did a big listening tour, talked to more than 50 developers, and what we ended up with was the ID at Xbox program. Right. And, you know, from our perspectives, from Microsoft's perspective, we knew we needed great independent games to succeed with Xbox One. We knew we needed to offer our players, like, really broad variety of games, and that meant having great indies. Um, when we talked to independent developers about different things we could do, they were really clear. They were like, look, this scene has grown. We know what we want to do. Like, give us platform access and get out of the way. And, you know, we sat back and we're like, yeah, okay, that sounds great. Like, that's exactly right, you know? And so we kind of set this North Star that, like, the thing we wanted to do was make it easy for developers to ship on Xbox One. Mm. We knew if we did that, They'd have a great de- development experience. They'd bring their games, and you know we'd see the flowers uh, of, of that work, you know, uh, in the store. Right. And and that's exactly what's happened. You know, we're now getting close to the thousandth game shipping on Xbox One. Um, some just tremendous, amazing games are shipped. Games we never envisioned back in 2013 or 2014. And you know, our, but our North Star hasn't changed at all. Like we'd make it easy for developers to ship. We provide this great marketplace. We have a h- amazing fan base that loves games from independent developers and spends money and buys those games in the store. And it's it's turned into this really sustainable ecosystem. Tanya Chi was talking about um, gaming for everyone um, at like a, at a panel here at PAX Australia, um, and and how since I think the launch of Xbox One, the platform I think to a lot of consumers has seemed to kind of open up and, and develop in a really, really interesting way. I mean, the like you said, um, in ways that you wouldn't have imagined from when Xbox One launched back in 2013. I guess, from your perspective, how has ID at Xbox evolved in that time? Yeah, it's been, it's been really interesting. Like, I think that um, what we've learned is the more open we are, the better. And, you know, whether that's something like enabling independent developers to self-publish on the platform or something like enabling cross-play with Switch and PC or enabling cross-progression so you can have your stuff in Fortnite and take it with you to, you know, wherever you want to play. Like, every time we do something like that, it pays off for us, it pays off for our players, and it pays off for our developers. And so I think when you look at Microsoft now and you look at Xbox now, it's a really different company than it used to be. And and I think, like, everyone responds well to that. You know, developers certainly respond well to it. Players respond well to it. And it, it, it's been great for everyone. In hearing about ID at Xbox, I mean, when Xbox One was launching, you know, like you said, the previous options were going with a Microsoft Studios, going with a third-party publisher, or going with ID at Xbox. But I imagine that would have been a pretty involved task of Microsoft to invest in the infrastructure to let indies basically just do it themselves, I guess. What were some of the, the bigger challenges in, um, or, or the, the more interesting parts of getting yes. ID Xbox ready for developers to take advantage of? It was really fun, but it, like interesting might not be a word I'd use to right. describe it to the outside <laughs> world. But you know, it was really fascinating going from this world where we had this, you know, um, you know, just a few dozen publishers um, who everything you know, went through them to a world where now we have more than 3,000 independent developers who have dev kits in hand and access to all our back end. And there's no way we could have done it. You know, we knew what we wanted to do as the ID team. We're passionate supporters of independent developers. There's no way we could have done it without the support of, you know, everyone else at Microsoft. So we would go into a meeting, um, you know, with, with a team that, you know, has some element of a, a back end system that was really designed for, you know, a hundred partners. And we'd say, hey, we need this to scale to, you know, a thousand, you know, and that's that's what the email invitation would say. And then we would get in there and, you know, at first we were a little nervous. 
we didn't know what the reaction was going to be. People were working really hard to get Xbox One ready. Um, it was a crazy time at Microsoft. And we would get in the room, and they'd be like, oh, you're the indie guys. Like, what, what can we do? Like, how do we, how do, we do this? Let, right. Let's figure this out. And, and we had that experience over and over and over again. Myself and Angela Hessian, who's the co-founder of the program, like, um, every time we walked into a meeting room, people just wanted to help. And so we, we would, you know, look at look at the way things were, look at the way we wanted things to be, and, you know, and just basically we would say to developers, like, it's going to be easy, and, you know, it's going to be like this, and then if we had to do a bunch of scrambling and work on the back end to, like, make it like that, that was fine. And then what what we did really for the first year or two of the program was replace all our scrambling with automatic systems so that it, it really worked the way it was supposed to. And now when we talk to developers, you know, I think they're pretty, by and large, they're pretty happy with how the program works and, and the back end and moving through the process. There's always work we can, you know, keep doing and constantly making improvements. But now we get to spend a lot of our time focusing on kind of the, the end of the journey, not, not the beginning, not just getting your game onto Xbox, but like how do we get people to know about these games? How do we get these games to sell? How do we help developers know everything that's going on in the marketplace so they can make smart decisions? Well, that's a really interesting point to make because I, I feel like in games media, we've heard a lot about the importance of curation, where we hear about marketplaces um, that might have a situation on their hands where it's difficult to shine a spotlight on games that really deserve it just because of the sheer number of games that have been released on that platform. Um, how have you guys kind of worked to... Uh, I guess resolve that that potential issue on on Xbox. Yeah, I mean, discoverability is like a huge challenge in the digital age, and it's something if you go talk to independent developers, it's probably the number one issue on their mind. So we've done a few different things. So one is, I think the Xbox Store actually does a really good job surfacing um, content that's meaningful to you every time you go. And mm. your store experience and my store experience are going to be very slightly different based on you know kind of what you've played, what I've played, what you owned. Doesn't want to show you a game you already own. Um, and, um, uh, and and so I think the first part is just making sure the store works and the store feels good. And I think, I think we do a pretty good job there. The second piece is um, working with developers and letting them know, like, hey, when is the best time of year to release? Like, what, can, what are the things you should be doing? What are the best practices today to really, like, stand out and help your games? So that would be you reaching out to developers and letting them know, hey, Absolutely. this would probably benefit you. Yeah, and just doing as much education as we can. You know, we have the benefit as a platform holder of seeing, you know, thousands of games released. Not just the idea of Xbox games, but, you know, every game on the platform release and, and knowing, you know, what the trends are. And, you know, what the trends were doesn't mean that's what's going to happen in the future, but, you know, you know, for an independent developer who might be heads down for two or three years, like, the only thing we know for sure is that what worked two or three years ago probably doesn't work today. Yeah. So being able to share, you know, what worked six months ago, what worked three months ago, you know, what the best practices are today is, is really important. And in a way, we kind of use our resources as Microsoft to be the, the research staff for independent developers who probably don't have the, the budget to have, you know, a two or three person, you know, team just focused on what's going on in the marketplace. So we're here at PAX Australia. Uh, there's obviously uh, plenty of focus on some of the bigger titles that have come out on Xbox. Would you mind speaking a little bit to what people have seen on the floor um, that might have been involved with ID at Xbox uh, specifically and what the response has been? Yeah, so we're showing some a bunch of games in the Xbox booth um, that are from ID and Xbox developers. Ashen is going to be shipping later this year, which we're super stoked about from Aurora 44 over in uh, New Zealand. We're showing Supermarket Shriek, which is a two-player co-op super, supermarket cart steering game where you involved. Uh, yeah you are in a you're in a shopping cart with a goat and you need to like drive it around mm. um 
um, some other games, and uh, we're showing Tunic, which is a super cool game. Yes. And then there's some other games from ID developers that are just on the floor over in the indie area. Um, there's um, Totem Teller, which is a really, really neat game that we showcased around the E3 time frame, and, uh, and a couple other games over there that will be coming on to, to Xbox. So there's a lot of amazing content here at PAX Australia. I guess, I mean, you mentioned Tunic there. I recall it might have been at this E3 or last E3. Tunic was actually part of the E3 press conference yes. within Microsoft. What kind of work goes into the relationship and, and making sure they're aware of what they're getting themselves into, basically. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we, you know, like one of the really cool things, and I think if you if you ever had a question about how important independent games are to Xbox, just look at our E3 press conference. You know, to, to us, that's the most, you know, important, you know, 90 minutes of the year in terms of sort of setting our agenda for the next year, and it's our, it's our biggest stage. And independent games have been a huge part of that ever since we launched Xbox One. You know, I remember a couple of years ago, we used to put all the games from ID and Xbox developers together to kind of contextualize them, which I think was cool. Um, but the last couple of years, we haven't done that at all. Like, the games have just stood on their own throughout the press conference. Um, so you mentioned Tunic. Like, last year, we showed a trailer of Tunic. We didn't put the Tunic, you know, trailer next to the other games that were from ID developers. Um, Tunic just stood on its own because it's a super cool game. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, to me, that's that's really cool. It was great when we contextualized them. That was great to help sort of educate people. And now we don't need to anymore. Yeah. Like, we just put cool games out there. Um, you know... One of the things that I think is really important to us in terms of how we run the program is that that kind of E3 opportunity or we have other opportunities around PAXs and, and GDC is open to every developer in the program. So there's certain games that we see early on, like a Tunic or like a Cuphead, that we're like, oh my, okay, this is awesome. We have to tell the world about this game. And so, of course, you know, they, they get an opportunity to, to, to be at you know, those kinds of shows because we just want to show them to the broadest audience possible. But the other thing we do is before every show, we send an email to all 3,000 developers in the program and we say, hey, you know, E3 is coming up in however many months. If you're interested in participating, send us a video. And you know, we get a big group, this whole extended ID team into a room, like 20 people in a room watching you know, videos for three, four days of you know all the people who you know sort of submitting for E3, yeah. and every year, like what everybody wants is to see a video and just be like, "Oh, that's the one!" And every year it happens. Right. You know, there's a game that you know we had seen earlier and it, it seemed cool, but it wasn't exactly on our radar. And then we see this video and we're like, "Okay, this is something now special. Let's get a build." And the next thing you know, they're on stage at E3. And you know, you know, unfortunately, we can't include everyone who wants to be on stage with us at yeah. E3 in the E3 briefing, it's, it's only so long, but we do make sure that everybody has an equal opportunity to like have a chance to get in there. So I guess looking forward to the future, um, where do you see the idea at Xbox program going and where do you see independent, independent development, I guess, going on the Xbox platform as well? Yeah, it's a great question. Like when, when I look at where the idea at Xbox program is going, I want to say, uh, hopefully it's not going anywhere. Like, you know, our, our goal, which is to make it easy to ship on Xbox, is, is, is really not going to change. It hasn't changed, and I don't see it changing in the future. What is changing is the platform itself. There's always new platform initiatives, things like Xbox Game Preview, which is our early access program, or Xbox Game Pass, which is our membership program where folks can pay like a 
monthly fee and get access to 100 games to download at no extra cost. And so making sure that those opportunities are there for independent developers is something that we see as like a, a crucially important role. You know, if there's changes in hardware, like the Xbox Adaptive Controller, or other changes in hardware, new hardware, we want to make sure our developers know about it as soon as they can so they can take advantage of it. And so we'll continue to be that kind of like um, ambassador for developers inside Microsoft and ambassador, um, you know, to developers from Xbox to just make sure that we get great games on the platform and that people have great games to play. Look forward to what comes out of uh, ID at Xbox. I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to it. Uh, Chris, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thanks a lot. Developers, 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 developers. It just oh, yeah. keeps oh, getting better. God, I love developers. That video of like, what was his name? Steve Ballmer. Steve Ballmer. The CEO Ballmer. of Microsoft and the most sweaty CEO, as oh, we can attest to God. that on-stage performance. <laughs> That's true. He was <gasps> soaked. He was soaked. That's awful. But it's for the developers. No sweaty men. Thank Developer. You. That was Chris Charla from ID at Xbox chatting about ID at Xbox. Thanks, Chris. At PAX. And my brain shut down. And so we're going to leave you alone now. Thanks for hanging out. It's Thank been an entire show. Along, guys. Thanks for being here, Millie. That's okay. I hope we didn't terrify you too much. I mean, just a little. But just that's a always fun, you know. Whatever you're into, show. Man, a little, little bit of fear, you know. Makes thanks, things more exciting. Thanks for watching us keep the show somewhat together, Ray. That's all right. We appreciate you. Adrian and I need a babysitter sometimes. Ray is our steward I mean, at this yeah, point. That, I think Ray's fair. uttered a whole five words on this week's show, which has been great because he's let us just kind of ruin everything. That's, that's fair mm, too. I'm just pretending I'm, I'm not on this episode. <laughs> so, uh, oh, thanks for that. Metal Gear But he would never ever let us just be on the show if we were to be reviewed internally. Never. We'll see you next week. <gasps> Thank you so much. See you later. See you later. Bye. Bye.